And good morning, everyone. Welcome to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. It's show number 29. It's a Christmas show. We're just a couple days out before Christmas. My name is Andrew Murata, host of the show. Very excited today to have on my brother-in-law, Ron Bentley, is our guest. He is a police officer. He is a husband, a father, a leader in his community, and a baseball coach uh, in his high school area there. Uh, He'll be coming up on the next segment. Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. We are on the following stations. Country 107.7 WDLC, 106.9 WYNY, Wall Radio on 941, 94.1, 105.7, 106.1, 1340 AM, and 101.5 HD2, and on Sundays, Pocono 96.7 on the FM. We're excited about this show, and uh, I am in the studio with my handy-dandy uh, partner here and producer of the show, Gavin Burt. Gavin, we're a couple days out from Christmas. What is the thing that you look forward to the most uh, about the Christmas holiday? Believe it or not, you know, 25 years ago, I looked forward to opening presents and so forth, and that's still fun. But what I look forward to the most is Christmas Eve because it's always quiet. We used to go to this party that I could never stand for years and uh, but now I'll come home. We'll either watch a movie or I'll just uh, sit back. Uh, I sound like uh, John D. Rockefeller when I say this, and I'll just uh, catch up on my newspaper reading. And I like quiet Christmas eves, and that's what I enjoy the most about the holidays—just a quiet evening, not much going on. You know. Do you uh, put a little Christmas music on in the background? A little fire. We, we actually do have a wood stove, so we okay. have a fire burning, uh, but usually it's not so much Christmas music in the background. My parents might be watching something, and if I, you know, I, my way of spending time with them is if I, if I don't want to watch what they're watching, I'll just uh, kind of sit there and read my newspaper, and, uh, you know, the cats will curl up with me. So that's a, a quiet evening at the Bird household. Very nice. Well, I wish you and your family, Gavin, uh, the best, and you've been a gift here for me uh, taking care of the program like you do. Thank so you. I appreciate Thank it. You. Well, let's get right to it. Uh, Today's concept is called lollipop leadership. And no, we're not talking about candy, but I do want to share a great story with you. We've been talking leadership on this show now for uh, over a half a year. And there are many of us out there that think about leadership, that it has to be the smartest person in the room or some fancy dancy, a heavy hitter some grandiose idea or or something uh, like that. Not exactly. You can have an impact and show leadership in many ways, and especially in small uh, ways, without being a heavy hitter, without being uh, the CEO of the company or the superintendent of the school or the chief of police. This is a, a story told by Drew Dudley, Drew is the founder of uh, Day One Leadership out of Canada. Drew uh, was a the director of leadership at a small university in Canada years ago, and he tells this story. You could find it on TED Talks and call, type up lollipop leadership. So there was a young lady. Uh, it was on the eve of her attending school. She's in the hotel the night before with her parents, and she is extremely, extremely uh 
nervous, she's scared, and she doesn't believe she can do it. She tells her parents, I, I don't want to go. I, I just can't do it. They plead with her. Uh, they push her. They say, let's just go tomorrow. Let's get through tomorrow. If at the end of the day you say you can't do it, we'll let you, we'll let you back out. But I want you to get through tomorrow. She reluctantly agrees. They go to registration. They're online. Again, she is just so uptight. She's so scared. She could hardly breathe. Out comes Drew Dudley. He's wearing a crazy outfit. He's got a crazy hat on. Uh, That's one of his signature uh, things is wearing these hats. And uh, he's giving out lollipops, promoting things in the college and promoting an organization in the college. And he hands a lollipop to the gentleman next to this young lady. And he says to him, I think you should give this lollipop to this beautiful young lady standing next to you. And the guy gets all red, she gets all red, and he kind of very scared and like extends his arm and hands her the lollipop, very afraid uh, to do so. Drew then turns to the young lady's parents and says, Aha! You or your daughter on the first day here took candy from a stranger. What have you taught this young lady? What is going on here? One day away from you, and she, or not even away from you, and she's already taking candy from strangers. Well, the whole room laughs. The girl laughs. The parents are hysterical laughing. And that broke that tension for that young lady. That released her nervousness. The smile broke everything. And in that moment, she began to feel comfortable and she began to feel like she belonged there. Well, Fast forward the story. The young lady stayed in the school. She did very well. And four years after that occurrence, Drew Dudley was leaving the college. It was wrapping up the semester. She was getting close to graduating. And she went into his office and said, I need to tell you uh, a story. And she tells him the story. He doesn't even recall the day. He doesn't even remember the incident happening. Yet she told him what an impact he had on her in that moment. She also told him that she was still dating the young man that handed her the lollipop, but she wanted to thank him for going out of his way to to make her feel comfortable, to make her feel accepted, to make her smile, and she wound up staying there. Fast forward a year and a half later from that, Drew Dudley moved to Toronto uh, and again started the founder of Day One Leadership uh, Company. He gets an invitation to their wedding in the mail. How about that? What a small act of kindness, a small gesture on his part, but it changed this whole young lady's uh, environment and her uh, feeling towards being there at the college. So that's my point today. That's our our concept today here on the eve of Christmas, giving of yourselves to others, being kind to others, uh, and making a positive impact on them, even if it is just with a smile. You don't have to be the CEO to be a leader. I had my nine-year-old daughter on the program, 11-year-old, excuse me, uh, earlier in the year, Claire Murad, and we talked about leadership with her. And, and you could start doing those things at that young age. As educators, as teachers, uh, as people who work in the school, 
you know, whatever your, your role is in the school. We have a, a great opportunity to do that so much because of all the young people we're around. Police officers certainly have an opportunity to show lollipop leadership. And that was uh, one of the reasons I told that story today, because I am having Ron Bentley on the show, uh, a police officer in New Canaan, Connecticut, and my brother-in-law. He'll be coming up uh, very soon. Um, And Ron has showed uh, me and our family him do this in multiple facets in his role. Ron has worked uh, in downtown New Canaan uh, and been the officer walking the beat in and out of the shops, uh, greeting the customers and, and working with the, the retail uh, people in those shops. Ron has also been the school resource officer working in the high school with the students uh, at New Canaan High School. Again, developing those relationships and showing kindness and compassion towards the students. Even I saw this firsthand when Ron gave my son uh, the new Canaan police uh, patch. And my son has it proudly displaying in his room. And uh, he looks at Ron very much so in admiration of him for being a police officer. The great Maya Angelou once said, people will forget what you said. They will forget what you did, but they will never forget how you made them feel. And what a uh, better example than that uh, in that story told by Drew Dudley. So that's today's opening concept here on the eve of Christmas. Get after it. Be kind to people. And regardless of your role, you don't have to be the president to be a leader. You can, whatever your role is, you can show leadership just in your kindness towards others. We're going to get uh, with our guest here coming up in the next segment, uh, Ron Bentley, my brother-in-law and a New Canaan police officer. That's coming up next here on Education, Leadership and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone, to the program. This is Education, Leadership and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. It's show number 29. I am your host, Andrew Marotta. And we are excited to be on the eve of Christmas. Thanks for tuning in uh, this morning, wherever you are in your role. And I would like to welcome in today's guest, a very special uh, person to me, uh, very close. He is my brother-in-law, Ron Bentley. Ron, good morning and welcome to the program. Morning, Andrew, and uh, thanks for having me. Looking forward to seeing you uh, in, in just a couple days for Christmas. Uh, again, Ron is a new Canaan police officer. He's a leader in his community in several different ways. And, uh, Ron, I appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to come on the program. Absolutely, man. I, I'm, I'm glad you invited me, and I, I'm looking forward to it. I know you and your wife and your children, uh, Lucy and Liam, will be listening. Uh, they were some of the first fans of the show, I believe. Yeah, that they were. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, especially Kelly, always uh, uh, back in the show. So, Ron, let's get right to it. You've been a police officer, uh, you know, for many years now. You know, what made you want to get in the role of being a, becoming a police officer? Well, um, I had a lot of positive interactions um, with police growing up. Um, you know, small community. Um, my my mom actually worked on a food truck uh, in town and. By the time she'd go there early in the morning and, and I'd had to go with her, she couldn't get me to school. So the next best option was to uh, have a police officer bring me. So I was afforded that opportunity to ride in the police car at a very young age and have real positive interactions with the police. Um, 
And that was the real reason why I wanted to be a food culture. And that, that relates to our opening segment. I know you had an opportunity to listen to that. So do you remember, Ron, was there any specific incidents where uh, one of the officers said something or did something that really kind of keyed that feeling uh, to you as a young man? No, I just I just remember being uh, in the car with the police officer and him being so nice and you know, just show me the, the radio and the lights and, and, and all the tools that you get to, to use and play with. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. And the ironic thing is I actually grew up in a firehouse with my uncle who was a fireman for over 30 years. But I just thought the police side was really cool, you know, and they were just so nice. And that was my, uh, my interaction with them, you know, just very positive. Great. And uh, now that you've been doing it, how many years are you on the job, Ron? Uh, 13. 13 years. So now that you've been doing it, you know, you, you've seen a lot of the sides of the job. It's not always nice. You know, a, a pipe bomb just went off in New York City last week. Um, we're actually just upon the anniversary of the, the Newtown shootings. You know, these are some very serious uh, violent incidents that, that occur. Ron, I have difficult situations at school as a principal, but I don't ever feel like I'm going to be shot or killed you know is that something you've been doing this 13 years now is that something that you think about every day that you put your uniform on um for me personally i think each officer's you know their own person but for me personally when i'm when i'm putting on my uniform and my, my ballistic vest in my in my locker room you know i i always kiss my kids pictures in my locker and um and then once i leave the locker room that's it i, I don't think about it um, prior to, you know, as I said, prior, I do, I think you, ha- you have to, I think it also helps you do your job better. Um, you're relying on your training. Um, but yeah, I do think about it, but like I said, once I leave the locker room, um, you know, it kind of goes away and I'm ready to do my job. You know, I take that oath to, uh, protect and serve. Ron, is that an option to wear the vest? Is that something that you could choose to do or is that a, a rule in the department? Um, it's mandated by our department that we do wear the vest. There are exceptions to that. Um, me personally, I've always worn my vest, even when I'm doing extra duty jobs on the side. I just feel that um, I have a better shot with it on <laughs> if I don't uh, than I don't. So sure. I, I used to wear it. Sure. Ron, I mentioned in the opening segment some of the, the jobs that you've had while working in New Canaan. You've been the school resource officer. Uh, you've been the person to be downtown, uh, walking on the streets. Um, how do you display leadership in those different roles on the job, Ron? Well, I think that, you know, one being the SRO, it's a little bit different than being the community officer downtown. One, obviously, with the SRO, you're, you're dealing with a lot of uh, youth and children, and they have a whole host of, of different issues that you, you have to you kind of deal with. Being downtown as a community officer, you're dealing with a lot of adults and, and what have you. So I think they're two different things. But I, I just try to be very positive with people instead of being negative, you know, saying hi to someone versus not saying anything and just walking right by them. Um, trying to get to know people, you know. Uh, I try to get to know at least one or two people a day in, in the downtown area. Being that I'm not in school anymore, so it's a little more difficult, but I am coaching still. Um, I just try to be positive with people because in policing, a lot of times we only see the negative or they only experience the negative. And I try to be positive um, 
with as many people as I can in town. You know, that's my role as a community officer is, is to be is to be positive and, and try to build a stronger, foster a better relationship with people. And Ron, is that something that the department talks about as an expectation? On the job, I mean, I know, uh, you know, just like teaching in education, you know, there's, there's a union job. Like, that's not in the contract to be nice to people. Um, I, I went through the seven habits of highly successful training uh, with several of the police officers here in Port Jervis. Is that something that they talk about as an expectation of the job? No, I mean, your expectation is that you're going to be professional, you're going to be kind, and you're not going to be abrasive, you know. There are expectations, but there's nothing in writing that says you have to be, you know, a nice officer. You just you out there do your job. Um, but for me personally, it, it, it that's the expectation I set for myself. I mean, I am a community officer. I am trying to bring a positive light to law enforcement. Um, you know, in light of some of the situations around the country, you know, I'm trying to be more. We as a department are trying to be more positive in our community. Yeah. Ron, uh, you're in New Canaan, Connecticut. That's a uh, you know an affluent town, an affluent city. Uh, do you sometimes get from whether it's teenagers or young young people? Do you get a sense of entitlement or a sense of you know if you have to give a ticket or you have to uh, reprimand somebody that uh, they they they're going to get out of it or their daddy's going to get them out of it because they're a millionaire or something like that? Does that happen on your job? I personally have not experienced it in my time. Um, I know that other officers in town have experienced that. Um, you know, they deal with it how they deal with it. Um, but me personally, I haven't really experienced that. Maybe that's just because I, I've had so many different roles in my department, from the SRO to to coaching varsity baseball, you know, to being a community officer. I, I, I know quite a few people in town that, you know, I make that my goal to try to, like I said, to meet as many people as I can on a regular basis. So I personally have not experienced that. Okay. Well, that certainly could be a negative. Ron, what are some of the things that you really enjoy about the job? Some of the, the great things about uh, being a police officer? Um, well, again, I, I like talking with people. I like talking to people. Um, I like getting to know people. Um, you know, one of the things I, I do is I do coffee with a cop on a monthly basis. And it gives the citizens in town an opportunity to come down and meet officers and talk with officers about whatever issues they have, you know, from, from a traffic light to why did you write this ticket to, to whatever they want to talk about. Um, you know, it's just, I'm afforded an opportunity being in the position I am um, to do that, to meet people, um, but then also be uh, a police officer and, and, and get to play with all these really cool tools, <laughs> so to say. You <laughs> <Yeah>. know? <laughs> I don't know how else to put that, but it, I, I do get to play with a lot of really cool things and do a lot of cool training. So, And uh, I know you've put some of those trainings into practice. Uh, Ron, several years ago, you had a very uh, traumatic experience uh, that wound up becoming a, a celebration of, of you and your actions. Um, can you tell us the story about uh, you getting that call that there was a, a baby who was not breathing? And, uh, and, and can, you, can you tell us that story? Um, still get a little emotional about it. You um, sa- you saved a baby's life, Ron. I mean, I I, I can't imagine. And uh, you know, hopefully, yeah, hopefully um, the family will listen to this program. But uh, uh, it's really something to celebrate today. It could you think about what it could have been? Yeah, you know, I, I was 
I like to say I was in the right place at the right time. I was doing enforcement on a road in town, and a call came in my sector that there was an unresponsive uh, four-month-old baby. Um, so I, I was there within probably 20 to 30 seconds. And when I arrived, um, Mark, the, the six-month-old baby, uh, was purple and not breathing. Mm. And I was completely unresponsive. Mm. And the father was holding them, looking at me as I got through the door. So... I took Mark in my arms, and I literally cradled him like a football in my left arm, and I started taking his clothes off and started CPR. Um, and I was able to revive him and get him breathing. He actually threw up all over my uniform and then started crying, which was a, a blessing. I wasn't happy about the uniform, but, you know, he started, he started crying, and that, that is a positive sign right there. It means he took a big, deep breath. Um, and started breathing. We're still unconscious. We started breathing, and then uh, the reason it, it, it's it's I you know it's tough for me is that my son at the time was four months old, mm. and so Mark was six months old. So you know I just kept thinking that what if this family is not able to you know have this child in their life anymore? And it was very emotional. And uh, it's just I'm glad things worked out the way they they do. And I I, I see his family at least once a year. You know, and uh, he's the big little boy. I actually keep a, a picture of him in my my right shirt pocket wow. uh, to remind me, what, you know, why I do this job. Wow. You know, and, and uh, it's always there, and he's always close to me. So I, I like to think that Mark's also kept me safe over the years. You know. Yeah. So, Ron, last week's show was about being ready for the moment uh, that comes to you, whatever your job is about all the training, all the work you do, you know, like putting in deposits. And then when the moment comes, whatever that moment is, it's like a big withdrawal. Did your experiences as an officer, did your training in that moment all, all come to you? I mean, that, what a traumatic thing. You walk in, the father's holding the baby, he's purple. I, I, you know, most people are going to freeze. Yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> I had been in some pretty tough situations prior, and, uh, you know, I've, I've been with a lot of adults, and, and unfortunately they haven't made it. And then it's a whole different story when it comes to children. Um, and you, you hope and pray that when you're in a situation like this that your, your training and all that stuff kicks in and you're able to do it. And I just it, it, I, I kind of relate it like this. Andrew, you played sports your whole life. You played collegiately as well. When you get in that zone, you know, when you're playing basketball and you get in that zone, right, and, and, and all you, it's just you in the basket and you're, you're playing awesome. But when I came in through that door, it was kind of like I was in a zone and my training just kicked in and took over. And, and you know, I have to thank the department and, and the, 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 the state of Connecticut for the training that they provide us because if we don't have that training, you know, who knows what would happen. Um, you know, so that's... That's pretty much it. You know, your training kicks in and, and you, you take control of the situation. And, um, you know, in, in that case, it, it worked out. Well, and I know uh, your department celebrated that. It was on 1010 Wins News in New York City. And uh, uh, what a great uh, experience for that family and, and for you. You know, traumatic, yet you look what you did. And that, and that slogan of to protect and serve, like, just the fact that you had that experience uh, to do that is, is phenomenal. 
Ron, we do have to take a break right now. You're in the zone here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. We will be right back with today's guest, Ron Bentley. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone, to the program. This is Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. It is show number 29, a Christmas show, and what better uh, guest to have on during Christmas uh, than one of my closest family members. He is my brother-in-law, Ron Bentley. We've become quite close over the years, and uh, he's been very good to me and my family. He is a godfather to uh, the Tess, and uh, he is a fantastic person. Ron, uh, you're doing a great job on, uh, on the program today. Um, in the last segment, you told that, that very uh, emotional story about saving that baby. Uh, another story I wanted to ask you about, uh, a couple years ago, uh, you pulled over a teenager for driving too fast. Uh, and not only were they driving too fast, it was an icy kind of night. Now, we've all had that experience getting pulled over, and nine out of ten times you get a ticket and, and the cop sends you on your way. Uh, but this story turned out a little bit differently, didn't it, Ron? It did. It did. Uh, I was doing um, some traffic uh, enforcement on a road that is one of our speed locations in town, and I believe the scene was 25. And this young female was, was, I believe, going about between 55 and 60 miles an hour, um, moving right along there. And my and the reason, you know, I pulled her over where we where I, I initially had the point of contact with her with the speed to the point of where I pulled her over, it took me a good distance to get to her because she was going so fast. Um, and so when I pulled her over, I walked into the car, and the first thing I said out of my mouth was, why so fast? Uh, she said, I'm, I'm coming home from school or, or whatever she was doing, younger younger female. And I simply said, okay, I need your license, registration, insurance. And <clears throat> I happened to notice on her license that she lived on the road we were actually on. And she was two or three houses down on the right-hand side. So I came back to her car, and I said, you know, are your parents home? And she said, I believe my mom is. I said, well, why don't you um, pull in your driveway and then call her from your driver and tell the police officers in your driver and he wants to speak with her. Um, (laughs) And uh, she did that. She was crying. The mom came out, and I said, Mom, first I'd like to speak with you. Then you can speak with your daughter. So I spoke to the mom, and I just simply said, Mom, here's the deal. Your daughter was going 55 miles an hour in a post-25. Um, it's icy out here. She's going to die if she continues to drive like this, basically. I was very blunt. I said, she's, a, she's an inexperienced driver, and you know I, I, what I'm going to do here, I'm not going to give her a ticket because I believe that you are uh, better to handle this than, than I would. I, it's very easy to write a ticket. I can write the ticket, call a day, and thanks for coming out. Um, but I think this is a more in- impactful way to kind of do it. And, and that's what I explained to the mother. Um, and she was, you know, and then we went back and spoke to her about it. And I told her I wasn't giving her a ticket. However, you know, her mother would take care of it. Um, and I believe her mother took her license away from her for a couple months. Um, and, and whatever she did, she did. But I do know that fact. I just thought it was a better way to handle it than, than just writing a ticket. Like I said, it's very easy to write a ticket with someone like that and speed and, and call it a day. But for me, it's a teachable moment um, for the parent and everyone involved. So I, I handled it that way instead. And we talked about making a positive impact on people and, and leadership. And, uh, you know, who, you never know who you're talking to. 
So the funny part of that story that you and I both found out afterwards is that that was my cousin's kid. And that got back from my cousin to my aunt to my mom to me, boom, boom. And they made the connection of you and I being a brother, your brother-in-law. So you didn't even know who that was, yet you went out of your way, again, not to just hammer them with the money, but more so to, to make that impact. And you talked about life and death with her. And my aunt and uncle and my cousin's family couldn't have been more impressed with you because of your actions in that moment. And uh, I think that was a, a great display of leadership and teaching on your part. Yeah, I, I had no idea she was a family member of yours. I really didn't. And that, that's the ironic thing about the whole thing. So. Yeah, yeah. And they were extremely impressed with you and grateful. Again, not because of the money, you know, a couple hundred bucks here and uh, that ticket goes away. But it was the impact that you had on that family. And uh, that's a great story. <laughs> Ron, let's uh, shift gears a little bit. Uh, you mentioned collegiate athletics before. You played Division II baseball uh, at University of New Haven. Uh, tell me about your experience playing baseball there, and, and what lessons have you taken from New Haven to, to now coaching as part of the uh, New Canaan uh, coaching uh, team uh, staff at, at, at the high school? Yeah, I had a, a lot of fun uh, playing baseball. Uh, throughout my life. Um, high school, I was you know, a very good baseball player, and I went off to college to play. And I was uh, in for a rude awakening because I wasn't prepared enough um, to play as a freshman. I thought I was. Um, you know, things kind of came very easy for me with baseball. And um, when I went to college, you know, I, I thought it was going to be extremely easy as well, and I would just step right in and hit a 95-mile-hour fastball like it was nothing. Well, I couldn't even touch the ball when I when I got there, and I found out really quickly that I had to work even harder than I did in high school baseball to even try to compete at this level. Um, you know, the work ethic, the attention to detail, you know, the the the, the after-hours work that you would put in, uh, and I and I realized that very quickly that those are the the things that made me successful. That, that was, those are the ingredients that would make me successful in, 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 in baseball. And once I started doing that, I had an absolute blast playing baseball. Uh, I got to travel up and down the East Coast, uh, played in various locations. It was it's just a lot, a lot of fun. Um, for me, coaching, um, I've taken a lot, a lot of that discipline, um, teamwork, hustle, work ethic, and brought it back to the high school level. Um, and we, we had a lot of success, um, you know, winning state title, FCAC title, whatever um, we did after so many years. Those are the tools that I brought back from, from that collegiate level. And now you're teaching not only those high school kids, but uh, my children and your children throwing that ball in the, in the backyard. Uh, playing baseball with them. Ron, you also met your beautiful wife, Kelly, uh, at UNH. So after baseball and, and after meeting your wife, Kelly, certainly not in that order, you know, what was the best thing about your experience at, at the college itself? Um, I would say it's a very close – it's a smaller school. So it, at the time we were such a close community, and, and I mean that, um, you know, you just you hung out together, you stayed together, and, you know, the baseball players and all pretty much the athletes all stayed together. And, and 
it was just a very close knit community. Um, and I think that was a great experience um, for me, um, not going to such a large school, but a smaller school, which was fun. Yeah, I remember that graduation ceremony too in the pouring rain. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I hope UNH is listening and they bought some tents. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ron, you mentioned your children, and I know they're tuning in. Uh, so beautiful, and, and you have a beautiful family. Uh, you mentioned kissing their pictures before you go out. You know, part of being a first responder is that you guys run to the danger uh, where everyone else is running away. Do you do the job differently now? that you had children versus before you did? Well, I will say this. My wife and my kids are, are my life. You know, I, you know, they are in my world. And I never, ever want to, I, I never want anything bad to happen to me. Um, I think, like I said before, I think about it in the locker room. You think about it. And then when I leave the locker room, it's done. Um, I've been in some pretty tough situations, you know, and you don't really think about it at the moment. And then afterwards you think about it. Um, I don't think I do the job differently. I just think I'm smarter at the job. Um, I work smarter. Um, I do things in a way that uh, I make sure I keep myself safe and my brother and sister officers safe. You know, if we're in a bad situation. Yeah. You know, talking about your family, I know you're a movie buff, Ron, and, and I think of that line, uh, it's from Rocky Three. you know, when he's really being successful and uh, yeah, his wife, him and they're in a big argument and Rocky says, you know, he's afraid because he's afraid to lose what he got. Uh, you know, and, and we're both so fortunate to have such uh, great families. Uh, yeah. Well, you keep working smart uh, out there and, and you be safe, you know. Um, Ron, it's the Christmas time. It's Christmas season. You know, does your department do any uh, outreach or, or you know, service to the community in terms of, of helping people during during the Christmas season? Yeah. Um, one of the things we do is we provide uh, full meals uh, to multiple, multiple families in town, uh, you know, donated by our PBA, our Police Benevolent Association, um, which is a nice thing. We uh, usually go down to the soup kitchens um, and, and serve meals to the to the less fortunate. Um, and we try to help out as much as we can around the town, um, from, you know, wreaths and Christmas trees to, to whatever or however we can help, um, you know, the community. Awesome. Awesome. Ron, you you again been listening to the show and, and there's a focus on leadership so this is a, a question you know people talk about the uh the privacy of, of the world and things like that if you had a camera crew with you for a week ron that's with you the whole time all day uh even when you're off duty i don't want to say 24 hours a day but most of the you know from 6 to a.m to 10 p.m at night and then they showed that video. What would you want people to say about you and the way you do your job? What would be some of the descriptions that they would say, you know, Officer Bentley, after watching this video, and then fill in the blank? You know, I don't know if I'd have a camera crew following, but I'll go with it. Um, you know, I think that one of the things they would see is that, you know, behind the uniform, we are real people. 
we have families, we have wives, we have children, um, you know, we have friends, dogs. Um, you got dogs, all right. Oh, man, I'll tell you, do I? <laughs> um, and they, uh, they would see that, that I love my wife and my kids, and I'm a dedicated father to them. Um, I love my job, um, and I love my friends, you know, and, 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 and my family. Um, they would see that being a police officer is challenging, but also has its rewards. Um, so I think that's pretty much it, I, you know. And, Ron, you know, I know those values about you because I get to see that, and you are filled with passion. And uh, my friend Jared Kamar uh, asked that question a couple of weeks ago on the program with, with his uh, um, philosophy of hand-fight life, that, that you live your life and you, with your family and your job and display your core values, and, and you certainly do that. So, um, Ron, we are up with a uh, the rapid-fire portion of the program. This is a fan favorite. And uh, nice. are you ready? You tuned in? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Last book you read? Your book, The Principal. <laughs> Excellent answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Last movie you watched. I know you're a movie buff. Last movie you watched. You know, uh, The Great Wall with Matt Damon. I thought it was a great movie. It's my type of movie. Okay, The Great Wall. I'm going to put it on my list. The best police movie you've ever seen? Uh, I would say there, there's a couple. End of Watch is a realistic, I think realistic, and then Training Day, obviously. Oof. Ends up. Oof. Very good cop movie, but <laughs> yes. not in the terms of a, a positive way. <laughs> yeah. Hardest yeah. thing you've ever had to do on the job? Uh, CPR on my cousin. Oof. Best thing about being a police officer? Uh, the best thing about being a police officer, um, I get to play with some of the coolest toys, like I said, uh, and drive some of the coolest cars, and I get to have an impact on people's lives on a daily basis, whether it be hopefully positive, um, but sometimes it's negative. But, um, yeah. Fill in the blank. If you were chief, you would... I would uh, communicate better with his officers, um, and I would show them the support that they deserve. A short-term goal, one to three months. Uh, continue to have a positive impact on the community impact officer in the downtown uh, business district. Long-term goal, three to five years. Begin to prepare for my next chapter in life uh, with my wife, which is uh, a business Excellent. Excellent. Rudolph or Frosty? Oh, Rudolph, because he's a leader. <laughs> <laughs> you know? He, he, he's not afraid. He can show the way. He's not afraid. He's get, he gets right in there, you know? Favorite thing about the Christmas holiday? Seeing the excitement in my kids' eyes when they realize that Santa did come. Ah, awesome. Awesome. One word to describe your wife, Kelly. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, I don't know if one word can describe her, but she is probably the most amazing, loving, caring, strong woman that I've ever known besides my late grandmother and my mother. Mm, nice. That was about six or seven words, but uh, we'll go with amazing. All right. The three most important characteristics of a leader. Uh, I believe they have to have integrity. Um, they need to be disciplined. And they should have loyalty. 
Great answer. Ron, we got to take a commercial break. Gavin's laughing with your phone buzzing in the background. Uh, But we'll be right back on education, leadership, and beyond, surviving and thriving with today's guest, Ron Bentley. Welcome back, everyone, to Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving. This is Andrew Murata. It's been a great show with today's guest, Officer Ron Bentley. We'll be right back with Officer Bentley. A quick recap of today's show. Number one, I do want to wish everyone a happy holiday, a Merry Christmas. Uh, It's a great time of the year. Uh, to be with family and friends and share some laughs and share some stories. So I thank you for tuning in today and, uh, again, wish you a great holiday. A quick recap. We talked about lollipop leadership in the beginning of the program. Told the story about Drew Dudley, who's the founder of Day One Leadership, who had an interaction with a young woman who was petrified on registration day in college. And he, with one simple act, of handing the person next to her a lollipop, telling a joke, introducing them, uh, put her at ease, and wound up uh, breaking that tension for her uh, because he went out of his way to be kind, show compassion, be humorous. And the point is, anyone could be a leader by showing those characteristics and being kind to one another. You don't have to be a big-time CEO uh, or president or superintendent or a chief to display leadership by showing kindness and compassion to others. You can find that uh, YouTube clip uh, on TED Talks, type in lollipop leadership, and there it is. That being said, uh, you can contact the show at andrew at neversinkmediagroup.com, at andrewmarada21, or you could go to my website, andrewmarada.com. The past shows are there. Uh, You could contact me through that way. And you can also uh, get a preview and a copy of my book, The Principle, Surviving and Thriving, all on that website. This is the write-in portion of the show. I'd like to welcome Ron back into the program. And uh, when since when he was young, he wanted to become a police officer. Ron, today's question is, what advice would you give to a high schooler who may want to go into law enforcement? That's a great question. Um, I would tell them that it, it is one of the greatest and most honorable professions that you can be a part of. Um, you just when you when you want to become a police officer, it requires dedication um, and a great amount of sacrifice for both you and your family, especially your family. At times, it's very hard in your family. So you have to make sure that you're, you're willing to do that in your family. Talk to your family. Make sure that they're willing to do it with you and be a part of that whole journey. Um, because when you get through that whole part, it's, it's an amazing, amazing ride. Um, I would say also look at all your options in law enforcement, uh, not just being a police officer, but, you know, whatever the other options you want to go into, FBI, CA, whatever uh, government uh, options are out there. So, And, Ron, you... You went the college route, you know, you, you can get a two-year degree, uh, and, and what about time in the military? Can you, could you then go into uh, a police officer if you went into the military first? You, you can. Yeah, we have quite a few guys that um, you need to have either mili- at least two years military, I believe, and then a four-year degree, uh, bachelor's degree and, and whatever. Um, but, yeah, military, we have quite a few military guys that have served the country honorably. 
uh, and now are either still active, but a police officer, or they are they are done uh, serving, and now they are full time police officers. So yeah. Okay. Ron, we have a, a second question, and we, we have about two minutes left, and, you know, this isn't a two-minute question, um, but public shootings in the United States have, have become uh, more common than not, unfortunately, and uh, we're five years ago from the Newtown shooting. Um, there was a shooting in, in Las Vegas with that, with that weapon that the guy illegally, uh, you know, made a, an automatic weapon there. Uh, you know, gun control in this country, Ron, is a hot topic. People are very passionate on both sides. You know, what are your thoughts about getting some better gun control and 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 a better way to just be careful about these guns getting into people's hands? What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts on this could be an entire show uh, <laughs> on a topic on, on gun control. My feeling is... Um, I think we do need gun control in this country. Um, you know, I, I think there are laws out there that do prevent uh, a lot of this stuff from happening. But some of these shootings, there's really no way to prevent them because they're law-abiding citizens that have a constitutional right to bear arms. Uh, um, you know, there are ways to try to limit them from getting that with background checks and, and what have you and, and, you know, try to take them uh, away from them. But... I don't know. It's a tough. It's a tough thing, and I don't know if it will ever stop. And that's the unfortunate thing in this country. Is um, it just seems like we're dealing with one every every other month here, or every other week, or you know whatever. Yeah. Um, and it's a terrible thing. First time in my career, you know, my my wife, you know, thinks that I should probably get a an off duty gun. Um, you know, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. And we we've reduced in our in our school we've reduced the amount of fire drills we've had and and have more lockdown drills now uh and that's you know that was a, a change uh, coming down from the state due to what's happening yeah you know my my daughter had one and we had a discussion with her about it you know my daughter's 7 you know and she went through her lockdown drill and and you know she's curious about it as mm-hmm. to why you know they're doing that and you do more of those now than you actually do the fire drills cuz you know, it's just our society. It's terrible, but yeah. it's the way our society is. Well, Ron, we are at the end of the show. Again, a Merry Christmas to you and your family. You did a great job on the program, and, you know, in my opinion, you are the epitome of what a police officer you know, can and, and should be by your leadership and, and, again, what you talked about, your connections with the community. So keep up the good work. Well, thank you, Andrew, for having me, and Merry Christmas to you, and I'll, I'll see you very shortly here, and we'll have a nice little Christmas dinner together. That's right. A couple of days, you and I always get the seat on the end to make sure we can serve and to right. uh, keep our stature up high in the competition to be number one. Uh, you certainly uh, make it make it hard. <laughs> Yeah. Ron, we uh, we end every program with a quote, and this quote is dedicated to you and all of our first responders out there. I know many of them got to work on Christmas, so uh, the quote is from uh, former President Ronald Reagan, and it reads, Evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. Again, evil is powerless if the good are unafraid. We had one of the best on today in Ron Bentley. Next week's guest... He's a my best friend. Uh, I've known him my whole life, Dr. Francis Sellis. 
He is from New York City, Staten Island, and he is now a cardiologist out in Oregon, uh, serving the people on the West Coast uh, in, in the field of cardiology. Again, Dr. Francis Sellis is our guest next week. It'll be a New Year's show as we approach New Year's Eve. That is all, everyone. Go out and change the world for the better. Signing off here on Education, Leadership, and Beyond, Surviving and Thriving.